Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. This is Carl Kennedy from The Lodge, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey guys, before we get going, a little pre-roll here for our friends at Squarespace. Definitely support these guys. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code METAL, M-E-T-A-L. You do that at checkout and you'll be on your way. A better web starts with your website. I just really dig Squarespace, basically because it's so simple. I wish we had Squarespace when we were setting up Talking Metal. Uh, everything you need, the online store, it's simple and easy to put together. It's a beautiful design. You can drag and drop content. Plus, you have 24-7 support through live chat and email. And there is a European location for the support team in Dublin. And here in the States, the support team is right here in New York City. Plans start at $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Let's get into the episode. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. We got some Vinnie Vincent talk for you today. I'm going to be joined by Cassius Morris of the Cassius Morris Show in just a few minutes. And a little bit later, Bill Wang, the one and only from Facebook, Bill Wang, will be joining me. And we'll end the show with Carl Kennedy from The Rods which is a great band that I've loved for decades and decades, going all the way back to when I was like 13 years old. The Rods, great heavy metal, great hard rock band. Love these guys. And I'm totally psyched to see them play in Brooklyn at the Defenders of the Old Festival. It's coming soon, guys. Well, not that soon, but soon enough. March 2015. Again, The Rods, along with Exciter. 
This will be their first U.S. show with the original three, Beeler, Johnson, and Ricci. You got Riot, or Riot 5, as I guess they're now known. Destructor, Machine of War will be playing. Aggression, High Spirits, October 31, Natur, Magic Circle, and a lot of other bands still to be announced. It's going to be a great night. Defenders of the Old with The Rods. And today on the show, again, Carl Kennedy from The Rods. I'm totally psyched to talk with Carl later in the episode it's going to be a great interview. But right now, we have Cassius Morris from the Cassius Morris Show checking in with us. Cassius, how are you, man? I'm great, Mark. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. And I had a blast being on your show. I guess I was on the second episode of the, uh, what would you call it, like relaunch, rebrand of your podcast? Yeah, it's it's kind of like a merge of both shows. Uh, for people who heard my stuff before, I had Creatures of the Net and That Reporter Kid Speaks, two different podcasts, and I merged them into one to make it more efficient, I guess we could say. Right on, right on. If you haven't heard that, we'll have it linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Again, we had a great discussion on, on rock and kiss and podcasting, and it was a lot of fun being on your show. And I'm glad that you can come on Talking Metal today, our 500th and let's see, our our – 501 episode so it's uh yeah it's it's great to have you you were probably only about seven years old when we were doing episode you know one (laughs) that's right yeah you're 15 but soon to be 16 right 16 in two weeks yeah all right cool what's your birthday i'm in november November 5th oh fifth okay i'm the 19th all okay. right. Yeah, cool. So let's let's uh let's cut to the chase here. On episode 494 of Talking Metal, I had Eddie Trunk on and we were talking about his efforts to get Vinnie Vincent on his show, his failed efforts if you will. Mm-hmm. Then on episode 498, I had Chris from uh Decibel Geek on and we we spent like an hour talking about Vinnie Vincent and I uh, revealed in that episode that I had actually tried to buy a Vinnie Vincent interview and <laughs> you have actually taken things a, a bit further here and have some some new information which you just revealed on on the latest episode of the Cassius Morris show which was what episode was that uh that was about episode 4 yeah episode 4 which went up probably 2 days ago yeah and so let's let's talk about this uh you have more pieces of the puzzle of the Vinnie Vincent puzzle here which i I think is fascinating now now when I had emailed uh Vinnie i got i got i got an email back from his lawyer and you know i I basically revealed that I had offered him two thousand dollars for an interview. Mm-hmm. You seem to think. That or you or you do you don't seem to think you do have a, a more uh, a figure that uh, you got through talking with Vinny online. Can you, let's talk about how this all transpired. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you talked about the episode with uh, Chris Sinzak from Decibel Geek. That was the one that I listened to. I was just so interested because I've heard Chris's um, Vinny Vincent specials, and I've heard you guys talk about him and. I, I kind of forgot about the guy. I mean, he hasn't been all that interesting to me for a few for a few years. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna do some research and see if I can try to contact him. Um, one thing I try to do is, you know, I did that reporter kid as the name for a good amount of years. I'd say four or five years. I've always tried to make that work for me. So I figured if I contacted them, 
with that kind of, you know, my young fan and this right. and that and work it to my advantage, I may get somewhere. Um, so I looked up how to get information to his little, uh, alleged salespeople who, um, sell his t-shirts and guitars and overpriced eight by tens. Right. And now, did you uh, go through that same email that I had sent the email through? It was like, uh, through the, you know, where you could buy his guitars. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's public knowledge is from the Vinnie Vincent model guitars.com. Right. Right. And he, so I, I got yeah. the email. He had it on the like YouTube page. All right. It's probably the same thing. Um, so, you know, with, I emailed it and it ended up in a very strange, uh, interaction, which I talk about on the show, which, you know, was not believable, clearly false. I mean, he was, I'll, you know, say some of the things he was going by, uh, the username TM1. The first, you know, kind of black flag or red flag, whatever for me was when you're sitting there saying you're a sales associate, wouldn't any sales associate say their name instead of going by TM1? Right. When you no, say that's... he was going by TM1, that's are you like chatting with him or you're emailing back and forth with him? Emailing. And at the end, it would say, thank you, TM1. What the what the hell does that mean? TM. I, I have no idea. And the, the thing was like he said, hello, you've reached a sales associate. Wouldn't right, you know? They right. say it's at Mark Vinnie Vincent or en- Enterprises. You've reached a sales associate. Yeah, yeah like the big uh, global organization of right. Vinnie Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, it just we kind of went back and forth, and with each email, I realized more and more that it was him. Uh, he refused to give me the contact to the uh, alleged law firm that there was, and right. I finally got some figures out of him. And, uh, so, so how did you, like, what, what did the first email say to him, like to get him going, to get him engaged? Because I, as I told Chris on episode 498 of Talking Metal, I had been emailing that, that email account numerous times over, you know, three or four years. I don't know. Ever since that guitar came out, I've been occasionally sending an email to that email account saying, right, hey, yeah. I want to interview you. You know, I interviewed Ozzy Osbourne twice. I should, you know, I want to interview you, you know, and and nothing. No response until that magic time when I said I'm willing to pay for the interview. And that's the thing. I mean, I kind of figured that you would have to go through and realize that it's all about money with this guy. So I messaged him, not mentioning interviews whatsoever. I messaged him asking if there were shirts available. And uh, I just, the first email literally was like, are there any shirts available? And I got a response the next morning. I was shocked. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I go more, I, I mean, I read the exact emails on the episode of the Cassius Moore show where I yeah. talk about this, but Which it was again, like, we'll link your site where you can check out episode four where Cassius talks about this. And also the episode I was on, which I believe was episode two. Yeah. Episode two with the butcher babies. And, you know, it was just, it was a very, I mean, as I talked about, this is a guy that I used to look up to. I was just looking at my old YouTube channel and I made, you know, kiss tributes where he was involved. And I think they're all private now. But, you know, this is a guy that was in kiss that when I first discovered kiss, it was on kissology too, where they were taking off the makeup. So I kind of looked up to this guy in a way and it ruins it to see him lying to the fans pretending he's somebody else. Well, yeah. Um, I wonder why he does that. I mean, is it just. He feels it makes him look more powerful, you think? I, th- I think it makes – he's trying to put across the illusion that he has this big team of people that's guarding him. I don't believe it for a second. Right. 
I really don't. I feel like it's just him sitting there in a room. There may not – I mean I'm sure he has a lawyer. That doesn't surprise me whatsoever. But I don't believe that there's sales associates and blah, blah, blah. This guy does this from his living room. I mean that's my opinion. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So you you got into talking with him and you started to get into actual numbers about how much an interview would cost. Now, how did that – how did that develop? Being that the first email you sent him was asking about T-shirts, how suddenly did you arrive at how much for an interview? Um, what I did was I kept asking him about his products and a, maybe one or two different emails. Uh, the first thing that I'll say is that he told me that 8x10s are available signed. $150 for an 8x10. Wow. Uh, I was deal. like – yeah, I was like, and this is a point that I brought up on the show. I can email or, you know, I've got free autographs through the mail from Slash, Donald Trump, Jeff Dunham, Seth yeah. MacFarlane. I mean, this guy is an old, not old, but he's a, I don't want to be rude, but washed up 80s guitarist that's trying to charge me $150 for a photo signed Uh but, you know, back to the question. Yeah. Um, so who, I talked who, who, quite frankly, was never that famous. I mean, he's no. almost become – I mean, I, I lived through those times back then, you know. And, and yeah, sure, he, he, was, he was kind of like known, like even after Kiss when he did Invasion, the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. But he, he was never on the level that like Mark Slaughter went on to become after no. he was in Vinnie Vincent's band. But because – of his association with Kiss and also because of his absence from the public eye, if you will. I think there's become kind of this like desperate need by a, a small fan base to, to find out more about what he's up to and what he's doing. And that's the thing that bothers me. The fans who are diehard Vinnie Vincent fans, they do the Vinnie Vincent forums they are they love the guy. I mean, they really appreciate his work and they wish he would come back. And I think it's pathetic and sad that he tries to capitalize on the love that these fans have from him for like a five, six, seven year career. Yeah. It's yeah. sad. Yeah. So uh you were asking about how I got into it. Basically, for the price, I asked him about the eight by tens, and then at the end of the email, because I wanted it to say in the preview about eight by tens so that he wouldn't just delete it. I explained who I was, why it was important to me to get an interview. And um, he answered back just kind of, yeah, yeah, whatever. You have to go to a law firm. Do you want the 8x10s? Oh, okay. And I pushed a little more. I said, do you have anything cheaper? And, you know, where's this law firm? And then he kind of ignores me. He says, it's, it's pretty pricey. Uh, do you want the shirt? I said, listen, man, like I want to hear a quote. And why does it bother you if I contact the law firm? Like yeah. if if this is a sales associate, is it any of his business whether or right. not I can afford it? Yeah, yeah. So it was, and we concluded to a quote on the price, and he says over five figures, easily more. Right, easily more. That that was yeah. the exact line, language. No, no, easily. actually, the exact line. Let me correct that was, or it could be more. I'm not sure. He was acting like he didn't know, and that you know right. this isn't our well, department. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I, you know, I, when, when you say five figures, that's 10 grand, but yeah. to say five figures, you know, maybe more to me, yeah. that means he's looking for 80, 90 grand. Easy. Yeah. And the, it's, it's, it's insane. That's insane. 
It's crazy. It, again, if anybody, and I've heard people saying, another point I want to bring up, I've heard people saying, let's start a Kickstarter to get Vinny on a show. Please, use your heads, people. This man does not deserve over five figures to call somebody. And who knows what answers he's going to give. He may be very vague and the money's in his pocket. Right, right. I don't think that's right for somebody. I mean, Gene Simmons, all these guys do free interviews. Why should he be paid five figures to do an interview? That's unheard of. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's going to happen, quite frankly. I mean, maybe there's some super rich Kiss fan out there who <laughs> would want to do it, but I kind of doubt it. I mean... The same people who buy the Monster Book, probably. Yeah. You know, and, and Ace, you know, you can buy... Ace sells his, some of his old guitars and stuff, but there's a big difference between Ace and, and Vinny, you know? Huge. There, there, there really is. I mean... Ace is just like an iconic part of of rock and roll history and 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 lore, if you will. Where to me, Vinny and and I love Vinny, but in in a way, he's kind of a side note on on the history of Kiss. You know, he's up there with you know he was in the band a little longer than Mark St. John, but I just don't see. I, I do give him credit. I mean, he is. A skilled guitar player, and I told him that myself. He is a skilled songwriter. He was great in Kiss. It's just, it's, it's that big of a deal, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, he he is a very, very good, or at least was a very good guitar player, and a great song songwriter. You know? Yeah. Um, they work on revenge, lick it up. You know? Yeah, I think even more than being a great guitar player, because believe it or not, I, you know, I'm a musician. I went to Berkeley College of Music when I was younger, and I I was I was into Vinny back then, but I remember a lot of like real Joe musician guys, you know, who were into like Aldi Miola and Paul Gilbert <laughs> and Engve. They never thought that just, I'm talking strictly technical level, you know, yeah. because I hear a lot of people say, Oh, Vinny's a shredder and stuff. And yes, yes. He, I, I hear the shredding, but he never had quite the clean attack that, a guy like Paul Gilbert no. had in in my uh, in my musician opinion, uh, and I heard other people say that too, who probably are even more you know knowledgeable on on shred guitar than I am. But, and for me as a listener, yeah, you know, it's just it's 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 sure he's good, but oh, I just don't great. see it yeah. as that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. So well, interesting stuff, and I think it's fascinating that you were actually going back and forth with him and. I, you know, it's uh, it's crazy that he wouldn't take the offer to go on Eddie Trunk and <laughs> just tell his story for free, you know, and, and yeah. that might sell a few more T-shirts that might, you know, get some people to his website. Get, get Eddie him. would promote it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it would be a big deal. It really would. It, among Eddie's listenership, it would be a big deal and it would get a lot of people who maybe aren't crazy interested in Vinny right now and, and clamoring for information and get them. <laughs> yeah, it would get, well, it would get, it would get more the, the, you know, mainstream interested in him and maybe he could, you know, sell more t-shirts, sell more eight by tens. Although at $150 for an eight by 10, I don't think anybody's going to be. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, no. it's like you mentioned, it's like, I just, I just got a, Eight by ten by Jason Hook from Five Finger Death Punch, a, a mm -hmm. fairly popular band right now. I mean, yeah. he was just signing them for free. You know, he was signing them for free. You know, it's like 
Yeah, I got five from Slash for free. Yeah, I mean, I just got some pictures printed, signed them, two two caches, uh, signature, date, everything. These, you know, you don't have to pay for this stuff. One hundred fifty dollars for one photo. It's outrageous. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the uh, the continuing saga of Vinnie Vincent. Yeah. What What Can are I you? Add- yeah. Go Sorry. ahead. I was just going to add a couple things. Um, I opened up the email here from the uh, when he told me about the quote, and I'm just going to read the direct line if that's okay. Yes. So he says, um, you know, it's not a big deal. I mean, if you guys listen to the my episode, you hear, you'll hear are all the emails, but this is just a preview. So he says, hi again. This is not our department, but I think the price for an interview is quite high. I could be wrong, but it's at least five figures, but it may be more. Again, it's not our department. I do know that our law firm will not discuss any requests unless the source is fi- financially viable. Thanks, TM1. <laughs> it's not our department. It's, it's... Like, department? What department? <laughs> this guy has wor- worked for six years. Like <laughs> In the, uh, the the big Vinnie Vincent Enterprises building there in Nashville. Yeah, the, that wasn't the right department or floor. Yeah. VVE, a giant building with steam come out the top. Like, yeah. Give me a break. All right. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. And we encourage everybody to go listen to the full story. I will be listening to it. I haven't heard it yet, but uh, it's up on Cassius's site. What's your exact site, Cassius? Thatreporterkid.com. And that may change, but if it changes, it'll redirect. So thatreporterkid.com. Great. And youtube.com slash Cassius Morris. They, they got the video um, video episode with Mark and a ton of others. So check Excellent. that out. Excellent. Who else has been on the show lately? I had uh, Nick Dinkowski from Vomit Fist. I'm having Suicide Silence tomorrow and a couple in-person interviews with The Trues and Glory Hound. And um, I'm hoping to get the Black Keys. Oh, really? Cool. Cool. I'm trying, you know. So, yeah. um, And I'm actually hoping to get some uh, interviews with people. The Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp is coming three hours away from me with Gene Simmons. So I'm trying my best for that. Oh, that would be a great score. That'd be and who in the past have you interviewed on before you had the name change, like on on Creatures of the Net and yeah. that reporter kid? Can you just tell us some of the people that you've spoken with in the past, some of the bigger names? Yeah. Um, well, I had about sixty episodes of each show, so I've done you know quite a few interviews. I had Marty Friedman from Megadeth, uh, Bruce Kulick and Eric Singer from Kiss. I had Larry the Cable Guy in comedy. I do a lot of comedians on the show. Uh, Danko Jones, uh, The Trues in person, Simple Plan. Uh, let's see. Yeah, just lots of comics. Burt Kreischer, Joey Diaz. A lot of people. Well, I not love Joey pressure, Diaz. Yeah, he's he's great. Eh? Yeah, such a great. Him he's coming him. on next week. Oh, is he excellent? Cool. I yeah. like his producer guy too, that Lee guy. Lee, yeah, I've had him on too. He's great. Yeah, he's from uh, Bergen, Bergen, uh, North Bergen, North yeah. Bergen, North Bergen, New Jersey, which is not too far from where I live. So, yeah, great show. The uh, the Joey Diaz podcast is excellent. If you haven't heard that, guys, and uh, yeah, yeah, I got to go back and listen to the interview you did with him. That sounds fun. It was the first episode, and I've been on his show twice as well. So Excellent. Excellent. Cool. Well, we'll have you linked through today's show notes again, or just go type in thatreporterkid.com, and let's all go over and check out episode four of the Cassius Morris Show, and we'll hear even more about Cassius's dealings with Vinnie Vincent, or a.k.a. TM1. <laughs> That's right. The new name, Meredith yeah. TM1. What's next? Yeah. Now, let me just say, Mark, thank you so much for having me on. This has been an honor. I've been listening to Talking Metal for, I'd say, four, 
three, four years now. And uh, it's one of the first podcasts along with podcasts that I heard that made me want to do something like this. So thanks so much for having me. Oh, you bet. You bet. Well, thanks for coming on and thanks for carrying the podcast torch with your show. And one one last question. Before yeah. you before I let you go, you're like a young guy. You're gonna you're almost sixteen. What brought what attracted you to Kiss? Um, I got a greatest hits CD, the twentieth century master CD like uh six, seven, and the the guy at the till was telling me about how he was steps away from Gene Simmons and all this stuff at a meet and greet, and I was looking at his picture with his eyes rolled over on the cover. And that sparked my interest. So I, you know, the second I heard Strutter, I was hooked. Right, right. It was that simple. And I, I fell asleep to the CD every night for two years, and I've been listening to Kiss ever since. My favorite all-time band. And I have no hate against against Vinnie Vincent. I just think he's, uh, you know, it, it's a shame what he's doing. But you know, he's a member of Kiss. What are you going to do? <laughs> right, and he definitely did contribute to some some great records. I mean, uh, I love three Lick of it those. Up. Yeah, Lick It Up is. Excellent record. Creatures, great record. Revenge, yeah. great record. So yeah, he's definitely been a factor in the the big kiss equation. Yeah, definitely. You know. So you know, I I told him that I wish him all the best and I have respect for him and and uh you know if if they somehow hear this and say, Hey, uh, we want to give you an interview, I just redirect it to Eddie Trunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, Cassius. Well thanks for joining us here on Talking Metal and again Guys, go check out episode four for more info on this uh, this Vinnie Vincent uh, conversation that Cassius had. All right. Well, thanks so right. much, man. I'll talk right. to you soon. Yeah, keep in touch. Okay, bye. Right, later. All right. That was Cassius. Big thanks to Cassius for updating us on his uh, Vinnie Vincent experience. Before we get into our next guest, I just want to tell you about this great company is Squarespace, guys, and and they're just so so kind to us here on Talking Metal. They have supported us on numerous episodes, and they are back here on episode five hundred one. We are honored to have them on board with us again. It's Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. You know, I wish. Again, that when I was setting up Talking Metal, we would have had Squarespace around. It would have been so much easier back in 2005 to have had a a company like this to just get us all set up. I mean, even the online store, you can just everything can be done through them. It's 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 so great. Go visit Squarespace and support us by entering the offer code Metal at in a checkout, and you'll actually get 10% off your your purchase when you do that. A better web starts with your website. Plans start at only $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. You got responsive design, commerce, that's aka the online store, comes with every site. It's so convenient and they look great. The designs are just beautiful. So go check them out, squarespace.com. I'd like to personally thank Squarespace for supporting Talking Metal. All right, let's get to our next guest. This guy is Bill Wang. And uh, let me tell you, he's the man. He's the man. He's ruling Facebook right now. He's got numerous Facebook pages, and he's just causing all sorts of controversy. Coming up later, Carl Kennedy 
from the Rods will be joining us, and I will be joining him in Brooklyn at the Defenders of the Old Festival this March. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We'll have links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com that will tell you all about this festival that the Rods are going to be playing at. And without further ado, let's get Bill Wang on the line here. All right. On the Skype, we have the one and only, the mysterious, Mr. Bill Wang. Mr. Wang, how are you? I'm well, Mr. Striegel. It's an honor to be on the, the Revolver the yeah. Revolver podcast champ. So it's great. Thank you so much. Oh, you bet. Well, you and I have known each other for a long time, but really only in recent times have you become this uh, internet Facebook sensation uh you you're doing the facebook club or or page and it's just rocking i mean how many people do you have following you on this uh on the it's kiss 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 right that's the, the page yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> right. it's kiss 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 metal hard rock and um it's uh it's really fun and fantastic i have almost three thousand, which is nothing in the big picture but it's kind of cool to me you know and uh yeah, it's, it's cool, you know, and uh, I get a little bit crazy on there, and I got my, my girl that helps me out, Gina Elizabeth Wang. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it's, all, it's all good, man. Yeah, hell yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you bet, man. I just I have a lot of fun on the page. I like when you put up the albums and you have people discuss and debate. You know, you put up two two records, right? And, like, you had, what did you have up there the other day? You had uh, Unleashed in the East, and what was the other one you had? Um, yeah, yeah that, that, that was a really good one in particular. It was Unleashed in the East against uh, If You Want Blood. So they both right. roughly came out in yes. with Judas Priest, ACDC, yeah. and uh, two albums that were near and dear to me, to my heart personally. And, uh, yeah, it got a lot of reaction and a lot of uh, people seem to like it. So, yeah. And people will vote on the record, say which ones they like, and talk about why they like them. And yeah, it's good. It's uh, a great... You know, they, 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 they vote and they talk about their personal reflection of the album, even if they were even around at the time. And, right on. You know, how much, how much they dig them. And, you know, all those are the blueprints of our lives, really, you know? Yeah. And and the other stuff that goes on uh, on on your your Facebook page is uh, is a lot of just discussion and talk about about different rock groups and different characters and you've even gotten into it with some people on there in some kind of online arguments if you will right yeah yeah I've actually got into it uh, uh, big time with um, uh, uh, Mr Gordon uh, Herbert uh, that right. was one gentleman. One gentleman that I got into it, quite frankly, and, uh, you know, me and my, my girl made a video statement to him selling out our ace idol, and it's pretty pathetic, and what he did to him and how he's basically a leech living off the past. So that's just one of many people I've gotten into it. I mean, what basically why I started the group is because prior to the group, I was involved in all sorts of other groups, and everybody just said, you know what, fuck Bill Wang, get him out of here, you know, fuck Bill Wang, right. this guy's the son of this. So finally one day I said, you know what, fuck you all, I'm going to start my own shit, so fuck you. So hence, kiss, 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 metal hard rock. <laughs> Right, and and for the most part, it's it's just a good group of people on there, right? It's 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 uh, yeah, a guy like- yeah. There's 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 a there's a good group of people, and it's a lot of really good people that love hard rock and heavy metal. And there are you know once in a while you get the people 
I want to start shit and whatnot. But yeah, generally speaking, everybody is a family, quite frankly. It's so, really cool. So Gordon was a part of the of the of the group of the the page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was um, he was part, he was part of the group, and when uh, when uh, one of the times I've been in North Carolina to be with my uh, soulmate Gina Elizabeth Wang, um, uh, we made a, a video, and he responded. And then proceeded to say, you know, I don't remember the exact quote, but something along the lines of anybody that has to hide behind a mask, blah, 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 you can't be yourself. And I just basically, you know, bitch slapped him back and just right. put him in his place. And well, right good. after that, I said, banned him. So, you know, well, this guy... he made a couple of really interesting comments about that also. So thank you. Yeah, uh, this guy's a freaking liar, this Gordon guy. I mean, he was just on, I think it was the Classic Metal Show, and he was saying that, first, he was implying that Ace still has a drug problem, which I'll tell you is absolutely, completely false. Uh, there, Ace hasn't touched booze or al- alcohol in, in uh, it's been like seven or eight years or something. And, and then he was implying that you could book, that Ace was going to be making $10,000 per night on the tour, which is also false. Anyone can 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 anyone with money can book Ace. If you want Ace to play in your living room, you can book him, but it's going to cost a lot more than $10,000. So I don't know where this guy gets his facts from. If you want Metallica to play your living room, you can get him to play your living room. It costs 2 million dollars. You know, that's what that's what, what Yeah, that's a fact. It's it's not like it's not like it's secret knowledge. You call up the booking agent and you ask him how much it is. And I can personally tell you Ace is a lot more than what Gordon is saying. So I I I feel like yeah, he lives in the past, but he's also just making up fiction about what's happening now with Ace, stuff that he seems right. to know and nothing I, about. Right. And I would say you would know, considering your best friend is Ace Frilly's assistant, so enough said there. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't get all the details from John, but listen, if you want, if you want to find out how much it costs for Ace to, to play your club, your bar mitzvah, your you know concert, whatever anybody can book Ace. You just have to right. go through a booking agent, and I will tell you, it's a lot more than ten thousand dollars. Is it two million dollars like Metallica? No, of course not. But it's it's right. quite a bit more than than the numbers he's throwing out there, and just the fact that I mean, how disgusting! You're, you're going around saying the guy who has made it the most important thing in his life to him is staying clean and sober. And you're out there spreading lies that he isn't adhering to that. Like he says he is. So I I think it's, I think, I think it's disgusting, but anyways, let's, let's, yeah, yeah. go ahead. No, but just one, one, one piggyback on that. And uh, basically that's basically his life. And um, that if he doesn't have that gig, he doesn't have a gig. So he has to milk it for as much as he can. And he's definitely doing his job of it. So I never said about that issue, but go ahead. Right. Yeah. So why do you keep your identity, you know, hidden, if you will? You have you wear baseball hats. You wear uh, the. You know, sometimes I. I mean, don't take this as an insult, but the pictures I see of you with the hats and the sweatsuit and the the glasses, you almost kind of have like this gangster look about you. You know, at times. Uh, and, and why do you why do you have a need to conceal your identity? Well, I'm going to come clean here. Um, back in the early days, I was part of a gang. Um, if you've seen the movie. 
boys in the hood. That was basically my upbringing. <laughs> so, so I basically have a connection to my past, and I can't seem to, I don't know, you know, get rid of it. So I right. always have that aspect. So, um, but I'm no, I'm part of no gang at all. Um, I am gang free now. So, all right. yeah. So I don't. I, yeah, so I don't know what to say about that. I just I just hide my identity because I just I have a lot of enemies and uh, you know I just want to keep it at that. Really. The haters are out there, definitely. Um, so let's talk about Vinnie Vincent. You spent some time roaming around San Francisco trying to find <laughs> Vinnie Vincent. I guess uh, the yeah. first question is, have you had any luck? Um, unfortunately, I haven't had any luck in that regard. Um, I have, I have leads. I have, my sources have given me, um, leads and the leads lead to nothing. Um, but, so I figure, you know what, I'm going to go to every establishment in San Francisco and ask them where the fuck Vinnie Vincent is. And you know what, no one can find him, so how the hell is that any worse? You know what I'm saying? Right. So, uh, I, I spent some time in North Carolina. I've done some searching there. Everybody says Tennessee, but my sources say Raleigh, North Carolina. So I was at some establishment down there with Gina Elizabeth, and, uh, and I'm going back uh, two weeks tonight. Actually, I'm going back to North Carolina. So, um, and I'm going to be uh, doing some other searching. So I don't know. I mean, all I know is he has a lot of fans, and um, it's really I like someone like myself where. Um, how I basically fell in love with Vinnie Vincent is April 3rd, 1983. I was um, at my very first KISS concert at the San Francisco Civic Auditorium right Easter on. Sunday, and the, and the band Motley Crue opened up four months prior to Shout Out the Devil. This is cr- the Creatures of the Night Tour? Creatures of the Night Tour? Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, Mark, it was the very last continental United States date that was in KISS in makeup until the weenie roast in, uh, 96. Wow. Um, yeah, so anyways, I was in line as this kid with my friends, and prior to the internet, prior to, you know, my only source of information was Circus Magazine, Hit Parade of Kerrang, so on and so forth. So I'm in line, and there was this big sign that said, Ace Freely will not be appearing. Vinnie Vincent is here. I turned to my friend and I said, I've been waiting since I've been a little kid. My childhood idol isn't going to be here. And my friend says, yeah, but Vinnie Vincent is here. And I said, fuck Vinnie Vincent. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the only only time I've ever said those words. But, yeah, so so it was um, phenomenal. And the crazy thing, I was on stage, uh, on Vinnie Vincent's stage, facing the stage on the, sorry, I suppose that would be the right side. I was literally on a barrier, literally the first row. And this kid was blown away by this magician, this Benny Vincent. And it's like, and I left the venue, and my mom and dad picked me up as a kid after the show. and says, how was it? I says, well, it started terrible, but it ended magical. So Yeah, wow. Like I, so, like I say, Ace Cooney is God, Benny Vincent is the pimp. Yeah, you do say that a lot on the on the Facebook group. Um, what? what? <laughs> What what do you think he's up to nowadays? Why don't we ever he- really hear from him? Why I mean, he's had offers from Eddie Trunk to appear on on Eddie's radio shows and and TV shows, and uh, you know, Rolling Stone journalists have been right. looking for him unsuccessfully. So there's some pretty big yeah. platforms out there yeah. who, who want to hear from yeah. him. Yeah, why aren't we yeah, hearing absolutely. from him? 
Well, yeah, it, exactly. But let's not forget about one person in particular, Mr. Mark Striegel, put an yeah. offer out there, which I thought was pretty phenomenal. I just wanted to put that out there. But well, anyway, you know what? Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's uh, people want to imply uh, narcotics, drugs, whatever. I think it's some sort of, like you said on the, the Vinnie Vincent episode on your uh, Talking Metal with Chris Sisnick, um, you know, it was maybe it's a people phobia. Maybe it's that uh, maybe it's Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley has done so much damage to you that you find it almost impossible to recover and to show yourself in public. And what I'm trying to do is say, dude, no, we love you, dude. You know, right. there's a lot of people that want to know if you're healthy, if you're around. You said kiss. I mean, anybody that denies that is a fool, like a clown from. That uh, three sides, whatever the heck that is, you know, he he seems to imply that he didn't save Kiss. Well, that clown doesn't know Jack. So, Vinny Vincent saved Kiss. Anybody right, who are you talking about, Michael anything? or or Tommy, or you'd rather not say? Uh, no, no, the the no, the Mike something, yeah, something yeah. like that. But that's the guy. Yeah, he's uh, basically. Um, I don't know. I don't even want to get into it. But, right. Uh, okay. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, people like that are just basically, just, uh, I don't, know, I don't know how to describe it. But uh, long story short, Vinny Vincent needs to be heard. Vinny Vincent needs to understand there's a lot of people out there that are wondering about him and care about him and respect his musical ability. And we dig him. So you know, that's why I go there. Excellent, excellent, cool. Well, let me ask you some rock and roll questions and then we're going to have to go. But, uh, you know, the one thing you do on your page is you put up these two albums and you'll have people kind of vote and comment on them. So let me throw a couple at you right now. Okay. Rush moving pictures or Sammy Hagar standing Hampton. (laughs) You're you're kidding, right? No, I'm not kidding. Are you serious? Oh, no. Um, you know, rush by by far. I, I, I the only thing Sammy Hagar has ever done is in his existence is the first Montrose album. That's including any Van Hagar album. So really? yes, Sammy okay. Hampton. Right. Uh, I like the uh, second Montrose uh, one too. I like. See, I'm a ha- I like Hagar. I'm a I'm a fan. I like a lot of his stuff. No, I know you are. Yeah, that's cool. All right on. All right. How about let's let's do this. Let's do shout at the devil or defenders of the faith. Oh, that's a good one, and uh, it's not hard to pick. I love both the Defenders likes the floor of that. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I, that would be tough for me. I love both those records. Um, yeah, I, I do, too. I do, too. But Judas Priest, you know, they, they, they can't lose in my book. <laughs> How about Bark at the Moon or Kill Em All? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I'm obviously a Metallica fanboy. I've seen them, seen Cliff Burton, the Ride the Lightning tour twice, um, uh, Master of Puppets tour, with my boy, Billy and Claire. Um, um, I'm going to go, Jesus Christ, kill them all. Uh, yeah, all right. I'm going to go kill them all. But yeah, Bark yeah. at the Moon's a great record, right? you got to admit that. Oh, it's phenomenal, but I thought you liked Ultimate Sin better. Uh, I probably do. I, I, I like Ultimate Sin better, although, yeah, I, 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 as an album on the whole, I like Ultimate Sin better, but uh, Bar- Bark at the Moon has some great songs. I like uh, 
What are what are some of those? Rock and Roll Rebel, Bark of the Moon, uh, Center yeah, of Eternity. And I, and I right? You're keeping it in. You're also keeping it in 1983. So I understand that. That's, that's right. That's right. So, right. 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 All right. Well, good stuff, man. Listen, there's a lot of background noise, so I want to get you back on sometime where where things are a little cleaner. Are you outside right now? Yeah, well, I was at my work, my job, and um, I wanted to drink a beer. My my corporation doesn't approve of that, so I am actually at the Walnut Creek BART station. Oh, there you, there, <laughs> the, the, the train service. There you go. Oh, hopefully, hopefully it was understandable. So, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll clean it up. We'll make it nice. But it's great talking to Mr. Wang, a.k.a. Bill Wang, here on Talking Metal. <laughs> And uh, dude, yeah, come back anytime. Uh, We're always talking about you. We always mention you. So we are. Uh, Mark, I appreciate it, bro. You're the best. I've been with you next year. It'll be a decade, brother. You're the best. I yeah, love man. you, man. Coming up on 10, 10 years this August. Yeah, 10 so. years next year. Yes, yeah. sir. You bet, bud. Yeah, good memories. All right, Mr. Wang, okay. we'll talk to you soon. So that was the one and only, the infamous Bill Wang of Facebook fame. Everybody seems to know about Bill Wang. Let's get into a little music right now. The Rods. Then we're going to hear from Carl Kennedy of The Rods here on Talking Metal. This is White Lightning off the Let Them Eat Metal album from 1984, followed by my interview with Carl Kennedy from The Rods.
Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line we have Carl Kennedy calling in from the band The Rods. Carl, how are you? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you doing? Good, good. We are coming out of music right now on the podcast, and we just heard the song White Lightning, an old classic. Love it. But I want to talk to you about what's going on now with The Rods. There was a new single that hit iTunes earlier this year. Is a new album on the way? You know, we're working on, actually, there's a lot of news. I mean, we're working on a lot of things right now. So we're working on some new material. We're actually working on older material, re-recording older material, and also remastering old material, as well as we have uh, some albums that, uh, you know, we're getting ready to uh, re-release. So cool. a lot of stuff going on. And, and also, David has a new solo album. And I have a new album out, uh, Kennedy, it's called Headbanger, and that's uh, going to be released probably in three weeks. So. Cool. I was going to ask you about that, too. Let's, uh, let's talk about the, the single, uh, Great Big Fake Ones. Now, you mentioned that albums are being reissued. That single is included on one of the reissues, correct? Actually, it's, it's included on two of the reissues. It's included on Heavier Than Thou and... The and on let's see what's the other Hollywood album the Hollywood album sorry okay right now I was going to ask you this track on both now that that Hollywood record which I guess originally came out in 1986 originally it wasn't under the name the Rods correct it actually was not it was Kennedy Bordnero Feinstein and Caudle which. You know, if somebody needs an accounting firm or, you know, attorneys, I could probably call those guys. They sound like <laughs> right. a good firm. Right. And why was that? Why didn't you release it as, as a Rod's record? Uh, I think at the time, like, you know, I think at the time we thought that it was, David and I write a lot of material. And at the time it was not representative of the, you know, the Rod's. Like, I think over time now, part of our catalog it certainly comes into focus you know that it is part of our catalog but at the time you know the rods were doing heavier music this was more melodic this had a a singer who had a great range and it was a different thing for us so it was kind of like an outlet for our songs made basically a solo album for you know our different type of songwriting that we just wouldn't put on a rods album so that was the uh, the wisdom of that at the time which you know, as, as so many things in our career comes into question as the years go by. Right. And uh, now, with the so, reissue, are you calling it the Rods or no? It is. It's the Rods. I mean, we're, I mean, it is the Rods. We're just, you know, the reissue is the Rods, so that it's part of our catalog. Cool. And all this stuff that's being reissued, how is it coming out? Are you doing it independently? Are you working with a label? We're all we're doing everything independently, and we're doing uh, at the moment. We are doing just online, so iTunes, Amazon. It's actually everywhere, so it's everywhere online. But um, and at some point, we're you know we're, it's in discussion. I mean, we have a lot of things going on, so you know things are being tossed about. At some point, you know, even a box set has been mentioned, but in terms of physical CDs, we're just really not sure where we're going to go with that. Right. Right. Let's talk about the solo record you mentioned. It's currently out already? It is not. It is not. It is just going 
into production, and that's why I say it should be out within three weeks. It should be released. But that will be physical CDs as well as online. Okay, and what are you going to call the solo record? And uh, and it's a 12-page booklet. I'm la- we're laughing because as it's expanded, I'm like, we're, we'll have to have a companion book with it if we get any more oh, wow. info. It's The album is called Headbanger. Awesome. And I heard a song that was linked through the website called, it was a sample, it wasn't the full song, it was called The Cult of the Poisoned Mind. I assume that this will be on the Headbanger record. Yes, that's correct. Let's talk about the lyrics of that song. I found them kind of interesting. Um, mind control being fed information. Uh, what 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 are the lyrics about in this song? You know, that there are some songs on there that, that were written by you know, we all write by our experiences, and, and that was something that, that always intrigued me. You know, at one point in my life, um, when I was in California, I had been sort of indoctrinated into the beginning stages of Scientology, and, and uh, you know, and I have nothing against any, you know, I'm, I'm an open-minded person, but, but for me it was, it, it's always been about whenever anyone is so blinded by one thing that they fail to see anything rational in the world because they're blinded by what they're told. And, and that was really it. And I think it was Jeffers being arrested and, and watching the interviews with the uh, sister wives that just triggered me writing this song. Right, okay. Yeah, because I wasn't sure if it was... I mean, I can totally see what you're saying there, but you know, there's so much media now out there with the different news stations projecting different political agendas and and stuff that I, I feel that some people can even get this mind control going by by television would you agree with that well you know mark that's a, that's really interesting because I just had a conversation about that with some friends and they how I had I was home one day and I was watching I was switching between CNBC and Fox and uh, and I was just uh, an MSNBC and I was just cracking up at the same information being disseminated so many different ways. And, you know, it's just a, a propaganda. And we think in America we don't, we don't have that. But, I mean, really, it's crazy that uh, it's almost, I, I don't know how it could be uncensored and news be uh, uncontrolled. But, I mean, when you have corporations who have agendas controlling your news and your information, it's, it's a pretty scary thing. Totally. You know? Yeah, Totally. Cool. Well, I'm excited to hear the solo record, excited to hear new Rods material, and I am excited to see the Rods play in my neck of the woods at the Defenders of the Old Festival in March 2015. I will be there cheering you guys on. When's the last time you played in the New York area? You know, that's been something we've been trying to figure out. I mean, we've been, it's been, like, seems forever. Now, we played little over a year ago with the show that Johnny Z and Marsha put on, Benefit for Sandy, and that was in New Jersey. And that's the closest we've come in 20 years or more. Well, this should be great. It's going to be right in Brooklyn, and it's a two-day festival, a lot of great old and new bands, and Exciter is playing, too. It'll be their first U.S. show with the reunited lineup, so we're definitely excited to see you guys, the Exciter. I'm excited about that. I mean, I've always loved Exciter. I love the guys. I love the band. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing them again. But uh, just 
as people, but I'm really excited to hear the band. They're a great band. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you, you know, you go back and bands like The Rods and and Exciter, they were so good, and you guys had a following back in the day. But there was there was something that didn't prevent you guys from breaking over into the mainstream, like some of the other bands did, like Metallica, for example, or even uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. A band like Saxon definitely kind of broke through a little bit more in this in this country than than you guys did. Why why do you think that was? Because in my opinion, you guys had strong material. You and Exciter had really strong material, but again, it just never really broke into the mainstream. Looking right. back, why do you think that was? Uh, you know, I think it was timing. I think it was poor management. I think it was you know, band decisions. I, I think it was just a case of with so many bands, you know, you're maybe you're misguided, maybe the timing isn't right, you don't have a good label. I mean, we wound up, we were initially not being signed to um, Arista. And at that point, you know, we wound up with, um, what was the company? I can't think of the company from Germany, Brutalsman Company, who signed us, which was much more metal-friendly. But Arista, you know, there was a a meeting, and it was Air Supply and Aretha Franklin who got a the most tours, all the tour support, really, and right. all the promotions and whatever. I mean, that's the label we were on. After that, our management decided that that uh, we had gone in and done a demo with Chris Bubach, who was who was there for us from the beginning and took us into Music America, and we recorded the demos. I think we did it in forty eight hours and literally had almost no sleep mix recorded we did it all live um and i think that's why the fans really that the in the raw album is the, an album that the fans really relate to and i think it's because pretty representative of us live i mean we were in the studio but it was basically like those tracks were just cut they were demos we just set up i actually took two drum kits put them together to make one wow. and uh, that i found in, i was hunting in closets and everywhere to find you know an extra tom and you know a mount a piece of hardware that's how that demo was that was done. But our management at the time decided that it could be an album released on Shrapnel. He came in, we were forty eight hours, he took a photo of us. It was a horrible photo. We were exhausted, you can see it in the photo. So, you know, those kind of things really don't help a band in terms of trajectory toward um, you know, mainstream airplay and promotion and so on. So, you know, it's a series of things and I, I really think that uh, I'd love to blame any one person, but it was a series of events, including, and we were as much at fault, I think, in a lot of it. And again, it's luck and timing in terms of, um, you know, what goes on. Right on. Right on. You did, back in those days, do some tours with some metal heavyweights, if you will. Any memories of being on the road with Judas Priest? I have great memories of being on the road with Priest. Priest, you know, Priest, Maiden, there's some those bands, Ozzy, you know, they Def Leppard. I mean, those those bands were really kind to us. Um, for Priest, I, I remember a couple of things. One is, I remember, I remember going into the first show we opened for Judas Priest in Albany, New York, and the stage that our dressing room had a little window that looked down upon the stage. So 
that was really exciting because I watched a lot of the show from above, and I was it was thrilled. You know, I was awestruck fan. You know, Judas Priest fan. But um, I remember walking into the dressing room, and there was a deli platter. Now, you have to remember, we we lived on five dollars a day when we started. Like when we started playing, nobody wanted to hear metal. And we were on the road playing every gig we could play. We literally lived on $5 a day, and our bass player at the time smoked. So we had to buy cigarettes out of the $5 wow. a day. So we, so for us, we were really scraping it, you know. So <clears throat> I always laughed after the fact, you know, that uh, I walked in, it was, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a deli tray there, which was like the worst, the bottom of the barrel cold cuts, really, you know, <laughs> yeah. bologna and pepper loaf, whatever that stuff is, like, you know, just the worst cold cuts, it wasn't even like ham, and uh, I was like, wow, we must be in the wrong dressing room, this must be for the headliner, and, uh, you know, it just cracked me up that, you know, things were, we were struggling so much then that I thought the little cheesy deli platter wasn't for yeah. us, <laughs> but, uh, but it was, you know, it was great, and then I have a lot of great memories, and, and uh, but doing Screaming for Vengeance, we had, uh, Seeing that set, I mean, they had two massive sets, and they would go a day ahead, and sometimes two days ahead to just prepare the stage so that, you know, as this this show that was being performed ended, that crew would then tear it down. But the the next set was already going up in the other city. It was that massive, and uh, but I just remember watching that and and seeing Dave Holland, who was so far from the band, he was up so high. It was like right. a I don't know what I don't know how high was it twenty feet or something I don't know if you remember but it was high yeah, yeah and it was just so far away from the other musicians I was just like wow I don't think I could do that so <laughs> isolated you know I think it was just the, the epitome of over the top but it was great and the guys were it was just a great tour and you know all the dates we did with Priest were great so cool and what about Maiden you did some touring with them too was that before or after Priest. That was before. That was in our first trip to England, and we recorded the Wild Dogs there. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And at that point, and that you know, we were talking about like why didn't our our music get wider? You know, why didn't we break through more? And I think that was another management decision to send us to England. We were happy with Chris Bubach. Our first album had gotten gotten good reviews. We were happy with the production. And then we were forced to use an engineer we really didn't believe in. He wasn't, in our opinion, an engineer who was sympathetic to what we were doing. Um, I hit hard, and, and believe me, as I still hit hard. And nobody in, to this day has ever asked me to play harder or turn up, except the engineer who actually asked me to hit my drums harder. And, you know, I'm as right. loud as they come as drummers. I was literally, my drum tech was just, what the hell is going on? I, he would have to replace my drum beaters because I was literally bending the stems of the bass drum beaters. That's how hard I was playing. Right. Okay, which, and then which what you're talking about now is the recording of the Wild Dogs record? Wild Dogs right. album, correct. And uh, so it was, you know, it, it certainly didn't reflect the subtleties of your playing. You, you certainly can't, you know, which I think the first album showed that we were, we had some chops. But this album, when you're playing like that, you're just, it's like I could have used clubs, you know. So, but um, for Maiden, we, we started the Maiden tour after we recorded the basic tracks. We hadn't mixed, but recorded the tracks. And the first day of Maiden tour, they all came in, they had champagne, and they welcomed us. And I mean, they, they couldn't have been nicer people. 
and treated us so well and made us feel welcome. And, uh, you know, they said they had, as opening act, they had been screwed. And, and actually, I, I remember one of the concerts I went to see Maiden where when they performed, it was, I was like, well, what's going on with the sound? And then as the changeover occurred, I heard, all of a sudden, I heard this low end drop into the system, you know, when they turned right, on yeah. the subs. And I mean, it was just back in those days, and I don't know how prevalent it is these days. I think it's it's less common now. But um, you know, back then, you know, the headliner would definitely make sure that the uh, <clears throat> the opening act was no way going to upstage them. But they didn't, and they were great, and they treated us so well. As I said, they brought champagne, and they were just really kind. And I always remember I would go and watch Clive Burr from behind. He looked down at me and smiled. You know, he's the nicest guy. And uh, I just, I just loved watching them on stage. It was great. I loved, you know, I would always go watch the show after our performance. And that was, I guess, for them, that probably would have been the Number of the Beast tour. The Number of the Beast tour, right? And they had the Big Eddie uh, coming out then, and you know, it was a great, it was a break. I think it was a, you know, the big breakthrough tour for them. And what about Ozzy? You did a handful of dates with him, or was it a, a actual tour? We did a leg of a tour with Ozzy. So we did, and then we did a one-off as well. I think we did a, one or two one-offs, but as well as a leg of the Ozzy tour, the Blizzard of Oz tour. I mean, you know, my memories of that are, um, I have a few great memories of that. And one was that uh, the first night on the tour at one of the landmark theaters in Syracuse was the first night we played with them, and I'm in the we're all in the dressing room, and suddenly we hear this deafening guitar playing and it was randy rhodes warming up it was so loud he was down the hall like way down the hall and uh, it was so loud that we couldn't talk in our dressing room wow. we were yelling we couldn't even hear each other but the playing that he played was unbelievable we just i, I just at that time had never heard all the modes and all the style of playing that he was i was just wow what the hell is that that's unbelievable just jaw dropping and and it wasn't what he was playing was not what you heard in, in Belushi's Avage. I mean, he was a he was a master guitarist. I mean, he was a brilliant guitarist, and uh, so I was just awestruck without even seeing him. And the, and again, they were very nice. Gary somehow had broken his guitar strap, and I think it was uh, Rudy gave him a bass strap. And nice. um, you know, they were great. And for me, Tommy Aldrich from Black Oak, Arkansas days had been a big, big, big um, influence on me. So. When I first when I started playing my drum solo, I uh, I look over and I see Tommy Aldrich watching me from the wings, and that was like wow, he's actually watching me play. That's cool. Wow, so, great stuff. So it sounds like really fond memories of Priest, Maiden, and Ozzy, nice guys. But any anybody you toured with that maybe wasn't as nice and you had issues with. Or do you put... Mark, you want you want the dirt, right, Mark? <laughs> we don't have to go there if you don't want to, but yeah. Um, let me just think if there's some something or something that was. I mean, overall, my experiences were positive. I kind of look at things as, you know, I mean, I'll say I'll tell you, we're talking about Tommy Aldrich. In where we're from in Cortland, where the band, where the Rods are uh, originated and are still based. We have a lot of crew guys there, a lot of musicians between, you know, Ronnie and the connections with Deep Purple. A lot of the crew guys from that area still work with Deep Purple and so on. I mean, these bands, you know, wow. Death Leopard and, you know. So even my drum tech uh, wound up working with Bon Jovi for years. But um, 
as I said about Tommy Aldrich, I was really a big fan. And the guy from Cortland Ox was, who had been Richie's personal for a long time, was drum teching for Tommy Aldrich. So we're, we're in Utica Arena, and Tommy Aldrich is sitting outside with Ox, and they're just sitting out like the truck bay off on the side. And I was walking around, and so I walked out before the show, and I saw Tommy, and I said, I said to him, you know, I have to tell you, you know, I just, just a huge fan and, you know, just such a big influence on me. I just, you know, I just think you're a great drummer and, you know, a kind of gushing fan. Right, yeah. And he looked at me and, and he turned his head and didn't say a word. It like <laughs> blew, me, blew me off. Right. I was right. like, wow, that that's a dick move, you know. And I always tell my friends now, I go, just be careful. When you, because when they come to shows or whatever, I go, you know, just be careful because... Sometimes meeting your idols can be can crush you, you know. It's, it's a little, it'll be a little trouble. Tread lightly, you know. Yeah, it's funny, you know, because we've interviewed so many different people on this on this show, talking metal from, you know, newer bands that are are coming out to the the old timers like Ozzy's been on a number of times. Uh, and it's, 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 you know, we've had that experience where sometimes it's like you have this image of somebody in your head, but when you actually talk to them it ends up being uh, different. And sometimes it's it's uh, in a positive way, and sometimes it's in a, a negative way. So uh, In a negative way, right. And, if, and, of course, you know, in the defense, like, I can say that, you know, perhaps it just, um, you know, you want a moment alone or whatever. And, right, you know, maybe absolutely. It just, uh, you know, I mean, I just have taken the, and I know that, I know that uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Dio was like that, that he just took, Every fan, and I'll tell you that we saw that with Maiden, and we learned early on. I mean, we always appreciated our fans, and we, to this day, I try to meet as many fans as I can. And um, as it's turned out, I have friends you know around the world now because I've met with the fans, and some of them have been uh, have gotten us gigs at festivals and brought us to the country, and it, it's been such a positive thing. But Iron Maiden at the end of the shows would sign every autograph, no matter how exhausted, how far we had to travel, they stayed there and signed everything until the last person had been greeted. So, and Ronnie Deal was the same way. I mean, it was, so, you know, I, I try to forgive people those things by the same token. I think it's also, uh, you know, common courtesy goes a long way. And even Absolutely. if you're not having a good day, you certainly can say, hey, you know what, I, you know, listen, I don't mean to be short with you, but I, you know, I'm not having a great day or whatever. I just need right. a little time. Whatever, you can be polite and still kind of get your point across. Well, you mentioned Ronnie James Dio, and I definitely want to talk about him before we let you go. On the last record that you guys put out, The Rods, that is, back in 2011, Ronnie James Dio joined you guys for a song, and it ended up, sadly, being one of, one, one of if not the last song that he ever recorded. Uh, and I wanted to talk to you about your experience on the Vengeance record working with Ronnie Dio. How was it? Uh, you know, I, I think I have to say before I even discuss how that experience was for me, you know, I go back, David and I and Elf and a band I was in called uh, Brian's Idols, we rehearsed in the same house. We rehearsed in the garage. Elf rehearsed in the house. Our bass player and Doug Thaler, they were roommates. So the two bands rehearsed in the same place. So I had known Elf. I used to go see them uh, they play high school dances 
when people would stand up and, and dance, and for Elf, they would sit on the floor and, uh, you know, watch it. It was always a concert. They were great. Ronnie was, you know, the whole band, they just had something, you know, special about the band. So I had known Ronnie. I had seen Ronnie perform with Elf. I had known, you know, he was, we rehearsed in the same house, you know, the same with the band. We were always there. The, the bands were always rehearsed around the same time. So certainly knew of him. I mean, Gary Driscoll, the drummer, who wound up playing on Brasher. I brought him in, and we did a. We both played on one track. Um, Gary and Mark Nossif used to come in and see play, you know, on their off nights. And so there's a camaraderie there, and this, you know, so it goes way back for me in terms of that. And then David and I starting the rods together. So, um, and, and David is with, Ronnie's cousin. Is that correct? Correct. That's right. David and Ronnie are cousins. Um, so, so my history with with that with Ronnie and knowing his, knowing Ronnie before he became famous, knowing him when, you know, he was a local band on the same circuit. We all played a tri-state area, and of course very successfully, but we were all in that same tri-state area doing dates all over. So knowing him from there to where, when he finally came in, after we went to see him at Radio City Music Hall, coming in, first he came in to sing two songs. He sang two songs that were originally meant for the Rods album, uh, but one became uh, on the uh, on David's solo album. They decided right. to uh, release them separately, one on each album. Well, for me, and it was really I owe David because David's the one who suggested the songs. When he and I sat down and we were looking at songs for Ronnie to consider, David immediately said, this song is for Ronnie. So David's the one who really chose the code, and, you know, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that. But the experience of Ronnie coming in and as a producer, having worked with so many singers and musicians, after a while, you kind of, you know the ones who work, you know the ones who... Uh, you know, maybe need help or whatever, and you know the ones who are truly great and come in and nail it immediately. And, uh, you know, for Ronnie, he came in, he was so nice, he was so respectful. I I was in awe of his whole work ethic, and he was very, very sensitive to, you know, can I I change this little park? And And, of course, he had carte blanche, and I told him that, you know, you can do whatever you need to do with the song. Don't feel restricted by my melody. Uh, just, you know, make it your own, which, of course, he couldn't help but do that. But it was really um, an experience as a songwriter was amazing for me. But as a producer, to see somebody who just came in, I mean, he, it wasn't like he did a take, and, oh, that's not a good take, or it's a little out of tune. David had told me this. He said, working with Ronnie in the studio, Ronnie's a one-take guy. He gets it, he nails it. And that's what he did. He came in, and the only time he did anything differently was, I'm going to try something a little different for this line. But he basically came in, knocked it out. I mean, unbelievably professional and just an amazing talent. So Cool. And guys, was, just, was, just so you know, guys, the, this is to the listeners. We are talking, of course, about the song The Code, which is on the 2011 record by The Rods called Vengeance. Right. So... Anyway, it it was just really a, an amazing experience for me on a, on a number of levels. And, uh, you know, it's sad. It's sad that Ronnie's gone. I think he had a lot left to uh, say and do. Right on. Well, Carl, thanks so much for sharing these great stories with us on Talking Metal. We appreciate your time. And we, again, are just psyched to see the Rods in Brooklyn, New York, 
in March 2015 at the Defenders of the Old Festival. I think it's yeah, the third. Looking forward to it, Mark. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. interview with Carl Kennedy from The Rods. Be sure to check them out in Brooklyn this March. The Defenders of the Old Festival, I will be there. That song coming out, that little sound sample there, is off Carl's new solo record, which is coming out, called Headbanger. And what we heard was a little sound sample of the song Cult of the Poisoned Mind. And again, off of Carl's solo record, Carl Kennedy's solo record which I think will be out real soon. Cool. It's been great hanging with you guys. Please support the sponsor at Squarespace. Use that offer code METAL, M-E-T-A-L. You can make a PayPal donation on the site. I love it when we get those. Always just gives me a little encouragement to keep going with this, to keep doing this. I don't make a lot of money doing this. You know, it's basically just the don- donations and the the small amount we get from our sponsorships. So support us with a PayPal donation. Support us by going to Talking Metal, clicking on the Amazon links, opening up your Amazon, and doing all your Amazon shopping shopping that way. It's one small minor step that you can take to do your shopping on Amazon, and it's a, a big support. We get a, a great kickback from them. And, you know, everything is the same price as it normally would be on Amazon. And also, you know, like I said, our sponsor, Squarespace, support them. Buy a t-shirt in the the merch section on TalkingMetal.com. This has been the 501, 501, 501st, I don't know how you say that. This has been episode 501 of Talking Metal. Let's get into a little metal to take us out this is a song written about ozzy osbourne it's called ozzy and it's by captain t through the years he kept 
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.